0: Welcome to the next episode of Great Quarter Guys. I'm Kevin Hill here with JP Hamset. Kevin, Did you had a good holiday. I had a great holiday. How about you? Nice. Good. Night. good.
1: Western in a small uh, town in rural West Tennessee. My in laws for four days. It actually went great though. Uh, really,
0: it was okay. It was Western Tennessee. It was fine. Yeah, Western Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah. I was uh, I was in Oklahoma for about a week. I think so.
1: Sorry about, so, your, hear about your loss. Yeah,
0: it was uh, it was tough. It was a tough loss. I watched the first half and then decided to go down and play a little roulette <laughs> and, uh, and and, and Get the memories out of it. But okay. good, good win by LSU. Uh, so, so that's always good. So let's get down to what we're going to talk about today. And we're going to start off with an uh, excellent article by Scott Galloway, yep. professor at NYU. And that is, you know, what about FedEx? Who should buy FedEx? Is FedEx still going to be uh, the, the same company it is? 48 months from now, or 24 months now. Uh, I guess that's two years, isn't it? And then we're going to do highlights of 2019, trucking industry, some of the trends that we saw that we both wrote about. Uh, So we're going to do that. And then, you know, a little bit of M&A and VC deals, kind of its own separate segment of the highlights of 2019. Then we'll get into the DHL supply chain pricing power index. And then finally, the long short. But, yeah. what? Why don't, we, uh, why don't we just hop right into the the FedEx article? Do you want to do a little bit of a
1: Yeah. So, breakdown? I mean, basically, Scott Galloway, you know, with this uh, NYU uh, business professor, has been kind of amping up his social media presence in the past, like, six months or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, on Twitter, you can see him. You can see his blog, No Malice, No Mercy. Anyway, he wrote this article. uh Using a, a sort of a, a naughty word, but uh, basically implying that FedEx was in, in, in major trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, and he predicted that in the next 24 months, either FedEx would get acquired or it would lose another 40% of its value, which it's. The stock is down about 40%
0: in, in the past couple of years, right? And back uh, in the past couple of years, I think 2017, when Amazon came out and said that we're going to start our own delivery service, kind of the the franchise model that that Amazon does with the brown, not really brown vans, but the, the aero vans, yeah, yeah, you exactly. know, the, those Amazon vans. And since that time, FedEx has lost 40% of its value. It's it's really on you know, hard times right now. That um, they're more B two B. They're they're a little bit behind both Amazon and UPS and, and the Postal Service too on that retailer direct to consumer deliveries, and they're having a, a tough time getting into into that business.
1: Yeah, and you know, it's. It, it, I think it is really interesting when when the, the company was first started it really pioneered the whole idea of having like next day or two day delivery, you know, what using, using air cargo to, um, you know, you know, using its own fleet of planes to rapidly accelerate the velocity of its network and, and offer services that had never been offered before and kind of give, cons- get consumers addicted to a new level of service that they'd never experienced before. And that's, and that's kind of what Amazon has taken to the next level.
0: Yes, it's definitely what they've taken to the next level. Uh, but what does that mean for FedEx uh, going forward? And, and Scott Galloway had in his article that they're going to lose another 40% of their value or they're going to get acquired. So who he, he, he said Walmart would be the, the, the most obvious choice. And then what he called the gangster move would be Shopify. So both of those have the, their issues with it. So, I quick question for you is is that is is the demise of FedEx overblown? Is it too early to tell, or is it just really good speculation to to say someone will swoop in and buy FedEx to compete with Amazon?
1: Um, I think that FedEx has serious problems uh, for a number of reasons. I think that it's sort of the highest margin growth opportunities are well in the past. I think that the way that its network is designed with the big air hub in Memphis. And so if you're shipping something next day, it gets flown into Memphis, flown out of Memphis and then delivered um, no matter where it's going in the country. Even if it's from a point in Sacramento to a point in LA, it gets flown back and forth to Memphis. Now you can't really do that if it has to be same day, it just doesn't work. And so there's a sense in which, with its current infrastructure, it can't actually do same day. and it can't actually do what Amazon does. Now, if it partnered with a retailer like Walmart or Shopify, you know Shopify's third party, but they mm-hmm. still have all of their sort of distribution centers all through throughout the country. Um, then it could sort of leverage Walmart's network of distribution centers. You know the thing the thing with FedEx as being a pure transportation company, it can't hold inventory. In strategic locations, the way an Amazon can, and then deliver it very quickly mm-hmm. same day. It has to, you know, take it from end to end. But it, as part of a larger retailer group, it actually could do that, and so it could actually you could actually see the way its its
0: uh, its service level could actually sort of be enhanced and taken to the next level. And, and certainly as market share, do you who do you think would benefit the most though, Walmart or, or FedEx? And I have a, a few numbers here. So so Walmart did about fifteen billion dollars last year in e-commerce sales. And I think a large part of that's groceries. Uh, Shopify is on a run rate of about, with, the, with their, their merchants, right, their subscribers, mm-hmm. I think they'll probably finish this year $60, $70 billion in online sales. Wow. And then you have Target, too, which is about five $5 billion. And it's about 7% of their sales. Walmart, it's only about 1% of their sales. Because Walmart has about five hundred plus billion in sales, Amazon has about two hundred and fifty billion, and um, I, I can think it's just under right well, around a hundred billion. And poor, the vast majority,
1: the vast majority of the U.S. population lives within like twenty minutes of a Walmart, right? Mm-hmm. Thirty minutes of a Walmart, something yeah. like that.
0: And you saw Walmart executives come out on in a meeting, I think an internal meeting in, in Northwest Arkansas, saying that their future is to build larger stores. Right. More and larger stores. So I don't know if they're really committed to, to getting into that e-commerce space.
1: I thought that the subtext of that was like, we're going to, like, this is our e-commerce fulfillment solution is to base it all out of the stores that we already have.
0: So instead of more distribution centers to to basically feed that off of already stock yeah. stocks goods already in the right, stores. Right, right, right. Yeah. So what do you, what do you think – What's your take on on the speculation that Walmart could buy FedEx, I think or even it's, if it's feasible? Right, I mean because this is pure speculation right now. It's just,
1: I think it's really interesting. You know, I'm the Shopify thing is would seem way harder to pull off. I don't know if anyone wants to actually buy FedEx and turn the company around and deal with these problems and you know figure out what needs to be done. Um, but Walmart does have a really good history of insourcing transportation and in its supply chain. Um, they, you know, they manage, I think like 90% of their trucking needs are in, in, in their private fleet, which is far more than any other, um, you know, retailer in the U S and, and they do a really good job of utilizing their assets, of paying their people well, ensuring they have quality drivers and their whole business model depends on a very optimized supply chain. I think that like it would be really interesting to see what they could do with with um, the assets of, of FedEx.
0: I I do too. I I think they're you know that they have a, a huge fleet uh, of over the road trucks that that pick up uh, from vendors, deliver to DCs, back and forth. So they have uh, they have much better expertise. Target has a smaller fleet, so they might be in the mix to, to ch- try to do something like that. But it's really all about competing with Amazon in the e-commerce world. Yeah. Right. Uh, Shopify though, that, that's going to be tough. It would be a great move though. I, I think it'd be a great move because they own so much. Uh, they're probably, the, besides maybe eBay, they're, they're number one e-commerce right. uh, provider after, after Amazon, young company, they're still not really profitable. Uh, you know, and basically they're Toronto based, so that's a, another regulatory hurdle, but just and an th- operational hurdle for that. And they, is, have, they have a re- mm-hmm. really
1: richly valued stock, which if they were able to yeah. use that in the deal, it could make a lot of sense for mm-hmm. their shareholders.
0: It, it could. The, their market cap's about forty billion. You know, thirty-eight to forty billion, which is the same as, as FedEx. It'd kind of be like a merger of equals. Now, whether the, the federal government would allow a Canadian based company to buy FedEx is a, another story. Whether they could even swallow that into yeah. a smaller, you know, even though the market caps are about the same, Super 5 is a, a smaller tech technology company. Right. Uh, whereas, you know, FedEx is an asset intensive logistics company. And, uh, we all know how easy it is to run a logistics company, right? Quite difficult. It's horrible. So, so, uh, you know, I, I don't know. It, it makes for a very good article nonetheless though, I think. Yeah. it's, right? it's
1: And that's really, I think what Galloway's strength is, is kind of lobbing these really provocative missiles that get people thinking and that start conversations like this. Cause you know, something will, the, the other shoe is going to drop at some point, um, you know, Fred Smith recently said in an interview that he that this he sees the turnaround of FedEx or resolving these issues and resolving the kind of the progressive devaluation of the company's equity as really his last mission in the company um, before he retires. And so, you know, if there's a, a certain timetable on that, if they run out of options, I mean, you know, selling is clearly something that people do when they're about to retire from the company they founded.
0: It, it is. But when you're a founder, you, you hate to sell. Especially when you're, I, I think he's 75 now. Mm-hmm. So he's 75. It's his legacy. Does he really want to sell it to uh, a retailer? That's, you know, does yeah. he, I, even if he retires, I think he's chairman for life. Uh, I, I think I saw I'm that, sure, so. whether it's that article or mm-hmm. another research piece that, that, that I saw. But, you know, their they're on-time deliveries are or, or not good right now. Yeah, they're, they're, they're having a lot of challenges in that e-commerce space, which is the by far the highest growth area that they can that they can tackle. Right,
1: and and in, in the and they've you know missed earnings, you know, I think four quarters in a row, yeah. and so it's kind of like if they're in, if they're in a position where they have to keep investing more in the logistics, they have to keep investing more in their assets and technology and integrating these you know, acquisitions that they've done that have gone awry. Like, what does that earnings picture look like going forward? It looks like worse and worse.
0: True, true. The TNT has been a little bit of a disaster yeah. uh, for, for integrations. Uh, I saw UBS right before their, their earnings uh, release a couple weeks ago, maybe just a week ago. Uh, UBS upgraded them to neutral, and the headline on that was it can't get any worse. Yeah, yeah. So that's not that's not really the, the best way you want to be upgraded by analysts is like, you know, I think we've hit the bottom. You know, <sighs> I think we're rock bottom now. Right. So. Right. Oh, I th- yeah. And I think that that is what
1: they said on the earnings call, too. Like this. is This is the bottom. But I mean, that's that's a tough it's a tough thing to just tell Wall Street. Um,
0: it, it is the CFO. Did he say that about the economy or about uh, kind of the restructuring? Mm, good question. um I don't know about. I don't think it was. So, you know, I don't think it was
1: in reference to TNT. I think it, it might have just been.
0: I, I think it was in reference to the economy. I okay. can't really, really remember, but you know, to say that the, the economy is hitting the rock bottom. That's is, also, yeah, yeah, know, right? Because you don't want to leave up. Like you
1: don't want to essentially tell Wall Street, "Hey, uh, the fate of our company is due to forces outside of our control." Like, that's you, you not, never want to do that, do you?
0: No, I know. I know. Uh, so, so anything else on on FedEx that you found? Interesting in the, I
1: just the I, article, I I just do think it's I think the whole question of you know when do you start replacing planes? What kind of planes do you mm-hmm. buy? Like what do you do with all these vehicles um, that are you know all over the country and increasingly the world? Like I, I think that a, a company like Target simply doesn't have enough business. The pipe you know FedEx yeah. is too fat of a pipeline for targets e-commerce to fill I'm, I'm really curious to see what walmart could do with it to mm-hmm. see maybe if they start if they even use some kind of like innovative like brokerage to um fill other, you know unused assets you know if, if they acquired fedex kind of in the way that um ups bought coyote
0: that that's right yeah that would so be kind of interesting like
1: what if what if people you think will, they'll buy a brokerage? Well, to, to you know it, basically in order to u- in order to supplement fedex like t- to to make sure there's enough freight okay um i think that could be interesting and i wonder even about like bro- like e-commerce brokerages of the future like will people be like wheeling and dealing like capacity on in like straight vans for like local deliveries
0: okay so we, we have a couple couple questions here on, yeah. on linkedin i, I I totally okay. forgot to even bring it up. We, we had these, these mic issues right before and kind of distracted. Uh, so see if we can find. So Mark W. here says no foreign company can buy a 121 certificate U.S. air carrier. I don't see FedEx selling off their their airlines. Right. So that, that kind of answers the questions. I, I thought it'd be a huge hurdle no matter what for a Canadian company to buy it. but. I guess they can't buy the arrow. So ground so.
1: may be different than than ground. Scale. Yeah,
0: yeah. So yeah. So so that kind of kind of answers that question because I mean, I I don't think ground would be really an an, an option for for anyone wanting to do one day deliveries. Right. Right. You know, right. I mean, right. Certainly the, with Shopify. The whole point of doing it like in, in an an
1: e commerce fulfillment platform would be the speed.
0: Yeah, definitely the speed. Everyone has to do the one-day deliveries, which even Amazon is, is struggling with mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. Right? Um, so, yeah. So, that's, that's kind of a wrap for the, the, the FedEx section. Uh, if you guys haven't read the article, you can go Google Scott Galloway FedEx and it'll bring it up. It's, it's interesting. It's thought-provoking uh it's in your face a little bit which was just always good his we work stuff yeah his uh, stuff is
1: great you know he's a big uh he's an uber bear who who else does he not like i'm trying uh, to think um
0: you know i i think it's it's a
1: lot of the- oh he hates facebook facebook yes definitely uh, god there, there's so many things that he really like he really holds like the Big techs, so this like but, super high ethical
0: standard. Yeah, the, um, the big techs, uh, especially the ones who continue to lose money, hmm. uh, even when they go public. Uh, Facebook isn't one of those, but anyone with a big tech who holds a lot of data, he, uh, yeah, he,
1: it's, and it, so he's, he's definitely kind of, got an axe to grind. But I think it's always it's like, like I said before, it's his his work is always a great conversation starter. It is definitely definitely
0: okay. Let's move on to trends in in 2019 and we're we're in the middle of writing an article today Mm -hmm. about some of the 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 big trends and 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 news that that came out of that and number one is trucking failures right so i think that's uh that's probably the dominant trend in 2019 is is trucking failures and and really, a bit of a freight recession in the first half of the year, and a soft market for for all of 2019. And and I think
1: what was when you go back and you read all these articles about you know this fail this truck company going out of business, et cetera, it really contradicts the notion of like easy come, easy go, where it's like you know the last carriers to enter in the market in a really hot mm-hmm. year are going to be the first to come out. Like what we've, I mean, of course, you know, those, those small guys might not merit, you know, a news article or might not even catch our attention, but what we've really seen are quite large established legacy companies. Some, in some cases, multi-generation companies that, that have failed this and got, you know, gone bankrupt or whatever um, this year. It's not just, it's not just sort of weak operators who, have only seen the good times. They didn't know mm-hmm. how to to make it through a down cycle. It, it was large companies, small companies, all across the U.S. Citing a variety of re- you know everything from you know nuclear verdicts yeah. to insurance costs, which is you know kind of the same thing in a way, um, to you know low rates, to uh, you know um, different. You know, if you look at uh, New England Motor Freight, a lot a lot of it seemed to have been. Um, yeah, you know, caused by Amazon.
0: Yeah, um,
1: so. yeah, New England.
0: Yeah, there, there's the one that that started all off. And and apologies to all the the LinkedIn <laughs> uh, users who are commenting. It's my first time live and and running the board, so I don't know who's first, who's last. I'm trying to to listen okay. to, to JP. What are, what are they saying? Uh, on, on the FedEx is you know think global, not just U.S. on FedEx strategy. Mm. So I, I think we're looking at a lot of. So what does that mean, know, like Alibaba,
1: Nagle, like what other kinds of like companies well, that are even bigger than Walmart?
0: Well, I think uh, glo- maybe FedEx's strategy is more global than, than U.S. based like Walmart, uh, Target, even Shopify would be more of a, a U.S. based focus. I see. I think. Okay. So or maybe,
1: maybe, maybe their turnaround story, is, their biggest opportunities are globally as well.
0: Okay. Maybe that's what it means too. Yeah, But going back to bankruptcies and failures. Yes. So that's the most dominant story. Uh, We saw Celadon in in December. Yep. Uh, So so what do you think about the first half? Let's just say the first half of 2020.
1: Um, Do you think
0: that accelerates from here?
1: I don't know about acceleration. It seems like we hit a peak in, was it Q3 or Q2 of this year? There was a huge number Q
0: three, I think. I think Q three was uh, was at the peak, um, which is the the last numbers that are out. Yeah, so, officially right. Although yeah.
1: we've seen we've seen numbers in Wall Street Journal and in places mm-hmm. like that that indicated the full year number would be north of eight hundred,
0: and and probably will be. I um, I, I think it will probably accelerate a little bit in, in the first quarter uh, yeah. of twenty twenty. Uh, so Q two twenty twenty, it, it might not, but I think Q one. I, I'm looking for an acceleration.
1: Uh, Q two, of- or sorry, Q one is always really hard. Mm. Um, it's always a combination of bad weather. Um, there's the there's less like seasonal support for freight demand than any other quarter. Um, you know, there can be a large hangover from it's all different kind. You know, yeah. from everything from Chinese New Year to just. The, the fact that everyone that the American consumer spent all their money yeah. in December that kind of stuff
0: yeah it, it did look like peak season was going to be pretty slow until the last couple of weeks and saw a really nice bump in in rejection rates and I think we we're ten percent over uh 2018 volumes which is wow. which was really good and yeah. we we're up uh the, the highest uh, highest rejection rates around fourteen percent. Right uh, in, in all of 2019. So th- that's probably going to help out a, a little bit, but no one really made too, too much in 2019. I heard
1: I talked to brokers last week that mm-hmm. said that they were having trouble covering like literal, like solo reefer loads, you know, long haul loads mm-hmm. for seven bucks a
0: mile. They, could, oh, wow. they couldn't cover it. They had to give it you back. Know it's, you know it's tight when you, when you can't. And it, for the, the guy like was the saying,
1: and this is like a guy who works at a Chicago-based expedited brokerage, and he was basically like, it's a free-for-all. They're taking as much as they can. He was like, there's no, it's like, the, you in terms of, like, looking at, like, an assessment tool or whatever, it's it's like.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, when it gets volatile like that, the assessment tools, the rate tools. He said, he had, you know, it changes so quickly, hour by hour, actually, that he
1: actually said that these are what we call bourbon rates. I was like, wait, what do what are yeah. what are bourbon rates? He's like, our pressing guy takes a shot of bourbon before he calls the customer and tells him how much it's going to cost.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I'm yeah. like, wow. I was like, okay,
0: so it's just completely out of your hands. He's like, yeah. It is. I I remember times like that as a broker, right? The polar vortexes sometimes in the the height of summer uh moving things, you know, from the southeast to the western US. Not not even the West Coast, but the Western U.S. Maybe the oil fields, uh, things like that, and you never know day to day what that rate's going to be because you're talking about very illiquid lanes. Yeah, that yeah. that really you don't have good pricing for. And if they if if the carrier like catches like a hint of like oh, yeah.
1: weakness in your voice, oh, a just hint. it's over. <laughs> a hint.
0: Like, yeah. I, just, I just really need but, this but, move today. Oh, really? Oh, know, right. But when you say western Kansas, that's your weakness right there. Yeah. That they know you ha that they have you. Yeah. Western yeah. Kansas. No one wants to go to Western Kansas. I'm gonna have to deadhead, you know, two hundred miles to get to Oklahoma City, and Oklahoma City's a horrible freight market or have to go to Kansas City. Right. right. So yeah. So it
1: sounded like um I mean we'll talk about the pricing power index a little bit later in the program today, but it sounds like it, you know, swung to the right.
0: Yeah, we can talk about it right now. Actually, since we're we're talking about the market, uh, so so five weeks ago we were at fifteen. Which, for for anyone who who's not familiar with the gauge, uh, zero is full power to the shippers. Fifty is a balanced market, and a hundred is full power to the carriers. So you know, early twenty eighteen had probably been eighty five ninety to the carriers, seven bucks a mile, whatever they want. Uh, earlier this year it was. At 15, about six weeks ago. It was at at 15, so the the shippers had the power. We couldn't find any really good news to to bump it up. We could only find negative news, industrial manufacturing. uh, You know, certainly the... Outbound tender rejection rates were four to five percent, which is a very loose market. We were in the middle of of uh, you know, or the, I
1: guess the beginning of bid season, and the largest shippers were flexing their muscles, even on their most reliable uh, capacity partners, whether those are brokers or carriers, asking for further reductions. Um, so on contractors, it was really paper rates. Yeah, you know, it
0: was it was pretty bleak out there for transportation providers. It was very bleak, but. The holiday season came in, peak season came in. Uh, we've been raising that every week. We're up to 45 right now. So, and that's really on the basis of tender rejection rates, the consumers spending money through this Christmas. Uh, as I said, load volumes are 10% above where they were in 2018. Uh, from here, you know, first quarter, as we we're saying, is, is always soft. So those numbers are going to come down probably. Yeah. Uh, during the Q1. So while they come down... Uh, as long as they they post really good year over year comps, uh, we'll we'll leave it you know somewhere between twenty and, and forty five. Yeah, until we'll the market see, really turns, we'll
1: talk to brokers. We'll look at prices. Mm-hmm. We'll look at volumes. We'll look at um, you know, news about you know, uh, fa- you know, fa- everything Values. from failures yeah. to you know, uh, economic data. All of that kind of plays a role, yeah. and um, hopefully, you know, hopefully we we get. Closer back to a, a balanced market.
0: Yeah, And if you look at just in, in December, so we have the, the the clearinghouse coming into effect. We've all known that. That's right. Starting January sixth. That's right. I but there's been a big news in the last week on that, which I think should help capacity. It should help capacity because the FMCSA just said that. 25% random – so random sampling of 25% of the drivers right. is going to double, double to 50%. 50%. And that's because of – th- I think it was 2017 numbers that, that recently came yeah, in.
1: Basically, if if the percentage of people failing these tests gets above yep. 1%, then they automatically double the, the number
0: being randomly tested. So you're going to have that that clearinghouse going into effect. Everyone who fails is going to go into clearing clearinghouse and – you know, as they Swiss jobs or, or trucking companies hire, they're going to have to check that database. So I so, think that's going to take that's going to accelerate that the building of that database. Number one, I'm saying database a lot, but it's going to to increase the size of that and and the the acceleration of capacity or drivers taking off the market that yeah. have failed –
1: drug tests. Right, right. That's, it's going to double the rate at which people are, you know, essentially fail themselves out of the industry.
0: Yeah. So if you think at 1%, if it, you know, say it's only three quarters of a percent, but you're going to have double the people tested this year. Right. And that's going to take, I, I think the initial estimates were somewhere between 3 and 10% uh, throughout 2020, eliminating drivers. Wow. And whether that will be above 10% or above those estimates or not, they're going to get there. Much quicker than they, if would, they, were, have before. they would have before. Right, because, because this is now starting. testing more and yeah. more. So on January 6th, you're going to have zero names in the database. And it's really a, a matter of how quickly you build up that. Right, right. And it's going to, I, I think it's, That's interesting. you know, within five or six months, I think it'll be pretty robust uh, because of the, the the random sampling.
1: Right. Wow. Yeah. So that's so the, the regul the regulatory story for capacity constraints, you know, is not over yet by any means. No, no, no. Um, that's a, yeah, that's a really good point. And that's and that's kind of like a wild card, right? Um, may, maybe Q one, it'll be a little early for those effects to materialize. But you know, but like you said five or six months, Q two, Q three, certainly by this time next year, um, we expect some amount of capacity to have been removed simply through the regulation and not even due to
0: market forces. That is very true. And uh, another trend that that we pointed out goes to insurance and kind of failures as well, and that's nuclear verdicts. Right. And we had a few nuclear verdicts this year, expecting maybe more next year. Uh, But whether we do or not, I think insurance costs are are really... Going up, what, 20, 40, 50% in some cases on on carriers, which, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be a, a, a tough hit. ORs are, I think, uh, according to the TCA benchmarking index, and I was looking at that this weekend. Uh, I, I think on drive-in carriers this last quarter, they're at 100.2 OR. Oof. Yeah. And so. fans and, or, I'm sorry, reefers and flatbeds were 98, 99. So, with increases in insurance premiums, it's, and just going to be rough. And the
1: operating ratio, of course, is about operating expenses to to revenue. It doesn't
0: include capital expenditures like new equipment. That is, um, that is, that is uh, correct. Yeah. So yeah, so CapEx is out of that. It's just what's on the income statement.
1: So that's, you know, if you're buying new trucks, then you're you're running an even tighter, oh, yeah. um, tighter operation. Yeah. But the the, the insurance industry though we should say it is also cyclical and you you know you, what happens is uh you know then the trucking industry looks really good to insurance companies a lot of them rush in start underwriting these businesses they start competing with each yeah. other they drive down rates a lot um these insurance companies lose a lot of money um if you look at like the difference between what they collect in premiums and what they pay out in claims. They're paying out way more in claims than they're collecting in premiums. Eventually, it becomes uneconomic. They all start leaving, and these, these insurance providers leave the industry, and then the remaining ones are allowed to take price, take price, take price, become profitable until it's attractive for uh, providers to come back in and the whole cycle starts over again. So the, I don't think that these sky high rates will last forever, but it can it's certainly gonna put a lot of people out of business um before it gets better.
0: It is. It reminds me of uh of capacity and trucking too, right? Yeah. Rates exactly. go, you know, everyone rushes in that the cash in, floods the market, and then you have the the, the bus. And they're all competing with each other, they crash the rates and then
1: the bus. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So uh you know ELDs are, are now fully implemented, no more ABRDs mm-hmm. uh for you know, everyone who uh, isn't exempt.
1: I've heard anecdotally from the brokers I've talked to where that's really being felt right now is in team capacity. So because solo drivers can no longer sort of cheat and run, you know, essentially a team lane, now true teams are in far greater demand and that that capacity is really tightened up, and they're able to charge a lot more. And that's kind of what I've heard so far. And we'll see how that that continues to play out next year.
0: Yeah, there's a few scratches. I we, we've been doing weekly surveys, uh, and you know ABRDs are, are still electronic logging device with a little bit differences between the the ELT, uh, but we we're running you know under under two percent. Uh, throughout, so there's probably like two percent that don't really realize they they're even running a boards right now, right. and and may find out soon enough the next time that they're inspected. But uh, I, I think for the most part that that was a, a pretty smooth transition. Nothing like the paper locks, the ELDs, oh, God. which yeah, which were caused uh, all those
1: outages. And
0: yeah. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it and You know, it was one of the major pieces of. The, the hot market in 2018 is that learning curve. Um, I, I know that as of a couple months before that December deadline, there's only probably 50% of small carriers that had even made the switch. Mm-hmm. So there's that learning curve once they, they came in in December or January even to uh, to, to convert before the hard deadline in, in April of 2018.
1: Right. And it creates a bandwidth constraint on the, on the the telematics providers, a customer service crunch when everyone's asking for support and try to figure out how to use their device, yeah. and it was it was kind of messy. Um, it worked itself out, you know, fairly quickly. But even even after that, there were all different kinds of questions about, you know, why does my ELD turn on when I'm still in the yard just moving a trailer? Yeah, like stuff yeah, like there's that. a
0: lot of learning uh, programming things in and and learning what you can do and what you can't do and and i think also the the other
1: thing that probably won't be as disruptive this time around is that a lot of you know because the eld mandate is enforced by uh departments of transportation in 50 different states there is a a huge learning curve for the law enforcement community about Mm -hmm. how to you know uh Download and inter- interpret the data. How to check for compliance? Like what the different statuses oh, yeah, mean. What all? Yeah. The, what all of the the myriad? Exce- what do you do with all that data? The exceptions were, and all that stuff. And they the D- the national DOT hadn't really done very much at all yeah. to fund the training of state troopers to to yeah. to work with ELDs. So I think this time, you know, mm-hmm. they've they've had a year. To sort of understand what they're working with, and I think that part of it will,
0: should go a lot smoother. Yeah, it should. Uh, so, so Bobby Kidd asks uh, back to the FedEx okay. question. Right? Is how does this affect UPS? The big brown. How does this affect big brown? I know they've gotten a lot of overflow this season right. when FedEx was <clears throat> taken out of of Amazon. So they so what a week or two before Christmas. Uh, Amazon came in and barred their third-party sellers from using amaz or using FedEx for prime prime shipping. So they were going to get a lot of volume anyway because FedEx get discontinued ground what like 3 or 4 months ago. Right, was, right, right. They, they yep. did air then they did ground small piece of the revenue. Uh, probably a smaller piece uh, of their margin. Mm -hmm. Right. Is is working with Amazon. So I I think UPS is probably going to struggle a little bit. You know, maybe it's a good problem to have having all that overflow uh, freight from FedEx flowing through Amazon. I would think that UPS could, you know, so
1: it's kind of the same issue with working with Amazon as a logistics provider. Right. Like how if you're a competitor to Walmart, Walmart buys FedEx. Can you still use FedEx? Um, And would you want to? And so, to what extent does UPS benefit from that? I would think, I would think they d- certainly would benefit from it. I mean, they're they're much larger than FedEx, um, both in terms of people and you know vehicles and uh, e- even like market cap. I think it's like a eighty billion dollar company. Um, so it's kind of a different kettle of fish. That, um, and they already, yeah, I, I just, I, I would say neutral to positive. Yeah. 3 what do you think?
0: I, I think it's going to be positive. I, I, think, uh, I, I think they can be the outside freight vendor for, for Amazon and FedEx can continue shipping packages for Walmart because they are the biggest uh, shipper of Walmart uh, parcels and, and, and other LTL uh, moves on that. I think they move between 35 and 40% of, of Walmart e commerce. So if they can capture that, if they, no, really, if they can go get a contract like that with Shopify, mm-hmm. it's probably going to be better than being acquired, right? But they have to go make some bold, bold moves in the market and capture e-commerce because I don't think they can really do that organically, right? right? I mean, I don't think, I don't think uh, that the way they're that they're going right now in their e-commerce strategy is working. So maybe partner with two or three select players and do sort of, you know, maybe an exclusive deal.
1: I mean, I don't know. That's interesting. Like almost like bundling and lowering the costs and that kind of thing.
0: Yeah. So no matter what they do, they have to get creative. Yeah. They they have
1: to get creative. They can't keep telling their investors the same thing they've been been saying. Yeah. Uh, Apparently they don't like
0: that. Oh yeah. They really don't. They really, really don't. Uh, So yeah. So, um, Back over to the to top tri- top themes. Yeah. Uh, we didn't talk about AB five, and we we don't have to. It's it's all up to the courts. Yeah,
1: it sounds like a lot of uh, a lot of uh, you know, guys in California are now kind of getting their own authority, and and um, trying to work that out. I've seen a lot of posts in Facebook groups for drivers about about that. Uh, we'll you know, we'll see what that. Into, I mean, it's just yeah. another one of these.
0: I, I think it'll go to the Supreme court. I don't see the Supreme court overturning, uh, or, or I don't see them enforcing yeah, or upholding, right. Upholding, yeah. right? Yeah, upholding, right, right. upholding AB five because that, that, that throws a wave into so many other industries. Basically it's like, do you think John Roberts
1: is going to let California rewrite federal employment law?
0: Yeah, probably not. Probably not. Really probably not. And it, it'd be a killer to the gig. Uh, economy. Right. Right. So, um, so M&A. Yeah. Let's just talk about M&A. Okay. So we, what are some of your favorite deals this year? Um, well,
1: we just wrote about one that was kind of interesting. Yeah, um, we did today, right? Yeah. NFI Industries acquiring yeah. uh G&P trucking company, which NFI is a huge, you know, sprawling 3PL, yeah. 3PL but I mean, what? they've got 3000 trucks.
0: Yeah. No, no, so, so they're dedicated carrier, yeah, right. So dedicated carrier warehousing, dedicated carrier warehousing. Um, they have a
1: brokerage, for, yeah, brokerage that does a lot of business. They provide intermodal services, um, to drayage. You know, they they acquired ca- you know, California Cartage a couple years ago that dominated in sort of the Long Beach, L.A. area, um, and so they they bought uh, GNP, which is based in Columbia, South Carolina. It's about interesting thing about these guys and they they do uh some dedicated some long haul but it really seems like the kind of the focus of what they do is drayage in your big ports of savannah norfolk and charleston and then they also do cross-border mexico services so i don't think they run assets
0: into mexico but they do a lot of the they just cross border yeah, yeah. 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 They they have Mexican partners that yeah. uh, the trucking companies take it down to, the and so they're kind of it helps
1: NFI kind of uh, lean into to the first of all the the growth in the East Coast ports. Secondly, helps them um, kind of expand on their uh, cross border, you know, what they call the, like the NAFTA business, right? So, mm-hmm. um, also a previous acquisition of NFI was uh, Dominion Warehousing, which owned about. I want to say four million square feet of warehousing in Vancouver, Calgary, and Toronto. So they're kind of doing the you know cross. Mm-hmm. They're expanding in all these different ways, trying to you know, and it makes sense when you think about like a dedicated carrier that's really taking on as many of their customers' problems as they can. Um, that they would sort of expand their geographical reach. Uh, the other interesting thing that I thought that I thought was kind of unique about the the GMP deal, which again was announced this mm-hmm. morning um, was that GNP said they have 370 tractors but more than 3,000 trailers. So it's like almost a 10 to one ratio. Mm-hmm. I mean normally for like a, a drayage or a cross-border company, it's three to one. Um, so the NFI is getting this huge trailer pool. And again, when you think about the way that a dedicated carrier works, the way that they want to really help out their customers, improve velocity in, in, in their network, what you do is you stage trailers everywhere at all of their, their locations so you don't have to do live unloads and live loads mm-hmm. all the time. So maybe, you know, I think just having all of this extra capacity in trailers is is also um, playing into NFI's kind of strategy.
0: Yeah, you can do more trailer drop programs with with. With customers that uh, that you're doing a lot of warehouse business with, maybe you're not doing dedicated carriage with them, but you can offer some some trailer assets when needed yeah, so it makes a lot of sense
1: so that was cool i mean I think the other you know there are a couple other obviously huge deals um i think one would be you know suntech t t s and and mode uh merging uh the new entity is just called mode i think um you know it's about a two point three billion dollar uh, agent based brokerage, uh, and they're both combined. private equity
0: backed, right?
1: Yes, they were. Yes,
0: I guess they—they all are now. They all are now. Right? All are now. Yeah,
1: so, but- so Mode is owned by uh, York, which um, I guess is sort of a subsidiary of York Capital Management, which is like the one of the biggest hedge funds in the world. Um, okay. And I guess they have a private investment kind of fund as well. But so that's Mode's thing. And if you guys remember. They were spun off by Hub Group a few years back. Basically, uh, Mode. The, the the thing with Mode, well, there in, were, and tech but, TTS is like when you're when you're a publicly owned company, a publicly traded company, rather, like Hub Group, mm-hmm. and you go out and say, "Hey, we want to grow our brokerage by ten percent this year." How do you actually make your agents do that? Because they're like franchise owners, so like. You yeah. can't, you can offer them incentives, you can do whatever. But I mean, a lot of them look at themselves as, you know, they build up, you know, maybe 10 or 12 sub agents and they're kind of living the high life, you know, getting a lot of margin and they're happy with what they've built. And how do you, it's not the same thing as having
0: a giant floor of kids in Chicago that you can, you know. It's nothing because those agents own the client relationships. Yeah. Right. So they can leave mode at any time or leave, leave you know, agent A company and go to agent B company anytime and take their book of business. Right. So there's there's very little you can do in the grand scheme of things to have have an agent, you know, grow twenty five percent.
1: Yeah, and you can do you can buy other agencies, you can you can Mm -hmm. buy other sort of brokerage models and kind of combine them. But I think the pressure that Hub Group was under it didn't really work for them. And so it's it's, it's
0: difficult to to have uh to to have an agent model and an in-house broker, you know, W two employee model because you're all competing against basically the same clients. Yeah, you always are. You know, you always are. And I think that's and you
1: can't really tell your agents what to do and what not to do. you, You can't at all. So. They spun that off, and then now Mode is merging with Suntech TTS, which was you know another you know, Asian base. Yeah, was, I can't remember if it was like ten or number ten or number twelve. You know, a, a, just somewhere on there. It was like yeah. a, a billion dollar brokerage mm-hmm. basically. Um, and so that was pretty exciting. I mean, that's that's a huge yeah. deal. Yeah.
0: Probably combined re- gross revenues of two point five, yeah. two point uh, two to two point five billion dollars. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that that gets you up to the level of what Fort. On the list now combined uh, yeah. fourth or fifth so, uh, yeah, yeah right top around five there. You're, yeah. you're up there with tql and, and, and jb hunt and, right um actually probably more brokerage uh than than that so yeah. that's this
1: really good deal so that was that was a huge one and that's well, going to be interesting just to see you know if this it, you know if york tries to make an exit sooner rather than later mm-hmm. um and then the new the, the new sponsor what their plans are to grow it and if that if they need to, to you know essentially yeah. bolt on a bunch more agents or, or whomever
0: it's always interesting because private equity is very active in freight brokerage and 3pL right and and they're not really that active in, in trucking and right. you know there's there, there's some there's some trucking failures uh, this year two or three that were, were pretty sizable over 300 trucks that were private equity backed yeah. Fal- Falcon Falcon was one, was of, them. one of them. That's yeah. right. There's another one. Uh, so the, they don't really have a, a great history, private equity funds in trucking, asset-based trucking, but in 3PL or non-asset-based, uh, logistics businesses, they do really well and they're very active in that.
1: Um, yeah. And I mean, I think one of the, the basic reasons why, uh, you don't see a lot of private equity uh, successfully come in and flip um, asset-based trucking companies is because, you know, well, the private equity industry used to be called the leverage buyout industry. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're still the leverage buyout industry. They yeah. sound nicer. Yeah. Um, but Rebranding. It, it Essentially, it's like the way I think about what private equity does is it's like buying a house and then renting it out. So you mm-hmm. put down 20% on a house. The rest is all debt. Then you rent it out, and whoever's paying you rent, you use that to pay off the mortgage. By the end of it, you sell it, and you own the whole thing, and so you get this huge return. Yeah, you, you, um, appreciation. Yeah, you appreciation. Appreciation, right? but also just the fact that mm-hmm. you you only put 20% in, and now you own the whole thing. Um, yeah. So even if it doesn't appreciate that much. It's still a good buy. And so that's kind of what private equity does. But now, If you can
0: only put 5% down, it's even better.
1: Right, right. More dangerous, um, but even better. Exactly. And so when you look at um, an asset-based trucking company that's very exposed to cycles and rates, that has a need for a lot of cash to buy assets and keep those up to date, and you know isn't really in control of its revenue or its margins, adding a lot of debt onto that in order to buy it is very dangerous. I mean, it,
0: it's, very dangerous.
1: it's already a thin margin business that requires like, a lot of very disciplined operation to even survive. And and now you're you're having these guys who you know who are in charge of it who might not know what they're doing mm-hmm. and they're putting it under a lot of debt. It just doesn't work as well as doing it with obviously like a fray brokerage that is very capital light. Yeah, it's you know, very
0: capital light. You have your your people, right? People, computers and a little bit of software and you can make money. Yeah. You know, you don't really have the depreciation. You can, you can scale operational it up. leverage you can scale it down. You can yeah. adjust bonuses. You can you can do things. Yeah. You, you know, I, mean, I I think one thing I I would tell private equity groups getting into trucking, and I I I would think that this would be uh, common sense, but it seems like some of them don't actually do this. But look at the age of the fleet. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, don't buy don't buy fleets with uh, that you're going to have to to recycle right away because yeah. then that's like putting. Using your analogy of a house, it's like putting a new roof on it or maybe um, having to shift the foundation to repair cracks or that, uh, maybe right redo everything, right? Yeah. Because that's, you know, and are spending, you know, half the price of the house to, yeah. and to I remodel. Do, I
1: it. do think one of the reasons why private equity is tempted over and over to get into asset based trucking is because when you look at the kinds of companies that, that private equity wants to buy, they want to buy, you know, companies that mm-hmm. have. Good cash flows, durable relationships, you know, um, businesses that are going to disappear overnight because of whatever reason. Um, and they, a lot of times they end up buying family-owned businesses where, you know, maybe uh, the grandfather started it, the the dad's running it, and now there's like three generations of, you know, 10 different descendants. And they all kind of want to get their money out of it. And not all of them want to be in trucking. It gets really complicated.
0: It does. Um, and, and, and families are much Better at hiding the bodies than like professional managers, right? <laughs> you know, so they they know because they all want to get cash out, and they they all have skin in the game together. Yeah, that the you know there's some things that you don't find in due diligence, maybe because the family members are very well coordinated to hide anything that might be out. There Interesting, that, you know. Yeah.
1: So, um, in any case, that's I think private equity has a pretty tough t- you know just the use of debt to buy trading companies is not a great idea. Um but that, that that's you know and m- maybe it'll cause more failures in 2019. I, I don't really know. Um other know. what what are some other uh big deals of this year?
0: No, I think you it's think it's really private equity in the yeah. 3PL space. Redwood Drive. Uh, I I think they had three acquisitions yeah. in the first half of of, yes. of 2019. Um, I don't think it's been. They bought
1: pretty, a, they bought a, a te, an Oracle transportation management system. Transportation uh, management a Center, technology yep. company.
0: And a brokerage, and I, for the life of me, I can't remember the name. But Chicago-based brokerage that was, was pretty, pretty sizable, Oh, actually. that's right, that's right. Who was that? Um, it was. Uh, I I don't want to say the wrong name. Yeah, but, I can't remember. Yeah, you know, so um, and then there's. They bought
1: Strive, which mm-hmm. was uh, based in, I think, Texas. They had a really good t- technology
0: platform yep. Yep. that they wanted. Um, and then you had Global Trans. Yeah. And the flip-flop or the, you know, yep. they, they flipped Global Trans within a year uh, to one of their original investors, private equity firm did. P- Providence. Right. Double. To Jordan back. Yeah. Um, Double. That so that's was, always good.
1: Yeah. You know? That was Nice return. Right. Yeah. Yeah, especially on an like an annualized basis. I'm yeah. holding it for nine months or nine something, months, eight right? months, nine months, something like yeah. that. Um and I'm trying to think of in the public space if anything if anything. I, I don't happened. think
0: I don't think anything big in the public space. I think those. I, I, there I, think, a I think the first are a couple of
1: divestitures. I know. Um, there were yes. Both uh, U.S. Express and um, Covenant um, divested their Mexican, the Mexican assets. Yeah, which is interesting. Or businesses.
0: Um, so that was interesting. Then uh, just just recently, what was it? Superior. Oh yeah, Superior, Su- bulk, Superior right? bulk. Logistics yeah, yeah. and
1: Heniff um, are merging under the aegis of a private equity company, and that's. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think. I, I was pretty well good bulk f- is kind of a niche, which is good. Yes. It's a niche. Um, you know, I was pretty good friends with uh David Saw- Sawyer, who's the Lynx partners. He was um yeah. you know, on the board of a different uh tanker company. Uh and the way he kind of explained it is yeah, you've got these like very specialized assets that aren't commodified, you know, certain kinds of tanks meant to hold like anhydrous ammonia or mm-hmm. liquid
0: nitrogen, things that you can't just you know, it's not a dry van company. It's There's not, not thousands of trailers. Yeah, and, and you, people that know how to do that. You don't have so you can do you have pricing power. You
1: don't have these like savvy brokers like making a market in it that are controlling the rates or at least creating transparent price discovery. Mm-hmm. So you've got these very dedicated, uh, expert drivers who are
0: 100% committed to safety. And um, I think that's where you see private equity work in trucking or. The niches like super heavy haul, Mexico business. You know things right. that are a niche that that you have a little bit of pricing power. You know people chemicals. Who, the people who like, you have great like, pricing
1: like, power. Big equipment like windmill stuff. Yeah. And, yeah, and and you look at like especially you look at chemicals and tanker, and you think about the American oil industry, mm-hmm. the petrochemical industry. You know you kind of got you got the the agriculture and and the fertilizer and chemical stuff in the Midwest you got all the petrochemical mm-hmm. stuff in the gulf coast yep. if you can kind of build a network linking those up you can really and, and you have a bet on the future of those industries in the US and a thesis on that then you know, maybe you can make it work um yeah we'll you,
0: you can definitely you,
1: Adv- advantage is uh the biggest uh tanker uh
0: fleet in the US and it's it's owned by private equity yeah it's a, it's a you know niche or the yeah right yeah. So, so that's the thing. So, but let's do long short. Let's finish it off. Okay. Do some long short. All right. Right. So the first one is oil above sixty bucks. Oh, I'm long. I'm long for twenty twenty oil above sixty. Yeah, because I think, think we're gonna finish. I think,
1: I think two things. I think that it looks like OPEC is going to hold to their cuts, and it looks like um, worries about global g- growth are kind of fading. So. Um, we're already, I think, at like sixty three bucks for WTI, yeah. and I just think that, yeah,
0: I think another thing that's somewhat bullish about it. I was reading in the Wall Street Journal this weekend is that the projections that they, the 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 shell, the, the shell formations and the, the the fracking guys had initially on oil that they you know projected uh, output is well below the original estimates. What they're finding is more gassy mixture. Oh, so there's there's hubs in West Texas now, uh, that it costs four four it costs you four dollars a BTU to get the gas out of there, mm. right? So it's literally negative. Wow, you know, which is not good news for me, but it's okay. <laughs> you know, we have some mineral rights in Oklahoma, oh, okay. especially yeah. gas plays, which was really great twelve years ago, but now, but now it's like oh was LNG is like with three bucks. I know, right? You know, they're, they're literally, you know, they're, they're flaring it off. Or paying people to, to take it away, like wastewater, right? right. So, so it's become an expense and not a profit. So with that and, and everything else, I think, you know, oil's been down quite a while, three, four years. It's time for a rebound. So I think I, I'm along that, too. I'm, I'm long over $60. All right, cool. And then um, the, the second one, Facebook, and I'm not quite sure, you know— uh
1: i mean, I'm Just short at I hate
0: Facebook. <laughs> you're not on Facebook, are you? Um, or I, are you on I, Facebook? I am on
1: Facebook, and then like basically because of the dictates of my job, getting in all the tracking stuff. Like that's it's like yeah, I know. like like it swamps my feed, and that's like all I see. So I barely, I only use it for work, which is like the opposite of what you're supposed to use Facebook. Yeah,
0: before. no, I, I'm not on it really at all. I use LinkedIn, Twitter a little bit, but I use Instagram, Facebook, I which they just
1: changed the loading screen to remind you that it's owned by Facebook. Of course, right? Uh, but I mean,
0: I'm not actually. Do you think they'll get split up? No, no, huh?
1: no. I don't think so. I don't like Facebook just because of. I guess. I guess it's my own fault. It's my own friends, family no, <laughs> right? that are on it. I know. Um, But no, I don't, I, but I firmly disagree with all of the, you know, attempts to like break it up. I don't think that makes any sense. I don't really, I think that like the whole point of Facebook is that it's big and like everyone that's on it gets value from it being big. It's, it is a true network effect. Yeah. If there were 20 different Facebooks and they were all competing with each other, that would actually, that wouldn't bring value to the consumer or, or the user. It would, it would take away value. True. Um, It's not like they would all be better than they, – they wouldn't be competing to get better. They would all be worse because they would be splitting the audience 18 different ways. So like the reason why its value comes from its monopoly, it doesn't – the yeah. monopoly
0: doesn't uh, destroy value for the consumer. No, I agree. I agree, but I, I just don't – I maybe it's just because I, I, I don't like – that the people I'm friends with on, on Facebook, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I, I'm just like, I, I don't really care. Oh, I, about don't, your, I don't well, like what who I, they I, are when they're on Facebook. I, I don't like that. And what I really don't like is that it becomes my obligation to know what's going on with their, in their life because they post it on Facebook. And I'm like, I, why, you know. Right. And then you get some like cryptic like
1: text that, from somebody that's just an emoji and you have to go check their Facebook status to I, see what's going I on. So, I right? How to reply to them. I, I know,
0: I know. It's just too much work.
1: Okay, so we're short Facebook.
0: Short for uh, short using Facebook, long, long Facebook. It, it's going to be around until long, something else comes along. I won't say forever. Long but. the business short 20 the user years. experience. Exactly. All right. Very good. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up. Okay. Uh, stay tuned at 3:30 what the truck is on and actually I'll be talking about the pricing power index at 3:50 or something like that. Oh, so, cool. I'm going to come awesome. in for a couple minutes. Uh, but thanks Thanks everybody for for listening, and you can always download any of our previous episodes on FreightCats, and that's Spotify, Apple Tunes, wherever you get podcasts. Uh, you can look us up. It's Great Quarter Guys. Have a have a happy new year! Also, awesome. yeah, coming up in a, a day or two. So, happy new year! Happy new year! Let's see if I can do this right. <laughs> huh.